0: It's lightning talk week on merge conflict. We cover six topics, five minutes each this week. We cover things such as those tricky, tricky, tricky provisioning profiles, handling settings and applications and how to publish an application in just a week, all that and more on this week's merge conflict. Frank, I am so, so excited this week, episode 40 of merge conflict. Are you ready for this? Yeah, we
1: finally made it to a lightning round again. And these I really look forward to because we get to do a variety of topics instead of having to choose one.
0: Yeah, and if you're a regular listener, like you said, there's usually one topic. We dive into it for sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes 55 (laughs) minutes, whatever we're up to. But lightning talks are awesome because... We have a huge list of topics that we want to talk about here on Merge Conflict, and we just don't have time sometimes, or sometimes those topics we can cover in a few minutes. So what we're going to do this week and every 10th episode, that's why I love it so much is we decided when we first started doing this to do it every 10th episode, lightning talks, six topics, lightning fast, five minutes each. And a lot of these are from you, our listeners. So you can tweet at us. We tweet out often, and we want to know what you want to hear on the podcast. So a lot of these are from you, your questions, your comments. When you go to MergeConflict.fm, you can mail in, you can tweet at us, you can just leave a comment and we will cover them all here on Merge Conflict. I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. We have some good ones today. Yeah.
1: And if you ever do like one of these lightning topics and want us to do a whole episode, let us know that too, because sometimes we like to do the ones we're not just quite sure about here too. <laughs> Yes,
0: and I will say we're going to kick it off right away. And this is the number one question <laughs> I get asked over and over and over again for the last six years, which is, what type of machine should I buy for development?
1: Aye, aye. Are we going to give? Are we going to give hardware advice? This is a little crazy. Gotta
0: get. It's, uh, I figured, should. Oh.
1: Should. It's a very powerful word. That
0: word should. <laughs> Here's my recommendation, Frank. All the gigs of RAM, all the hard drive space, all <laughs> of it. You need a KB Lake i7.
1: I think they're on the, what, 7,700 rounds right now. So you need the absolute newest processor. Uh, you need at least 32 gigabytes of RAM. You need a GTX 1080 Ti. Uh, that's when you're doing your neural network training. That's very important to your development. And you'll need at least $2,000 worth of monitors. Uh, how you distribute that, it's up to you. Multi-monitor, big, small, mini-monitor, whatever. Yeah. And
0: you also no, want to do that thing. <laughs> no, no, no. You want to you want to at the same time get that 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 sweet PCIe card where it's not an SSD, but it's actually your hard drive is like is RAM. It's like oh, it's like you run everything it's in faster. RAM. Faster, faster.
1: Yeah. Oh, actually, that's kind of genius. I, I I'm kind of joking around here, but now you actually have my interest peaked. I do want one of those.
0: No, <laughs> so I think to break this question down in the three and a half minutes we have left now, now that we've been joking is. There's kind of like as a developer, when am I at home are, are you like, are you at home? Are you on the go? Do you need to be mobile? Because my developer setup today is the Surface Book fully specced out the i7, 512 gigs, SSD, nice. 16 gigs of RAM. And I also have a little Mac book that I use as my build host because I use <laughs> Visual Studio 90% of the time. So my Mac right. doesn't need to do much. So it's a, you know, $1,800 or $1,500 <laughs> Mac book. Rose gold yeah. with eight <laughs> gigs of RAM and two or no, 512 SSD. i pretty, it's pretty much spec'd out, but you know, that, that's because I'm mobile. I'm on the road 60% of the time. What I actually tell developers to do is if you can, if you want a tower, like to me, if I was at home 24 seven or not even 24 seven, but if I did most of my development at home, I would have a super beefy computer. I would have mm. 32, 64 mm. gigs of RAM because it's super cheap. I would build my own. I would have a cabbie lake. I would have <laughs> a terabyte of SSD, and I would run off of Snot.
1: that. the board. Yeah, yeah, and,
0: and but I would still then just great. get a you know get a Surface Book or some MacBook Pro, and that's your portable code. Because to me, if I'm at home eighty percent of the time, well, boom, I'm super productive and everything's super snappy. And then yeah, some I just have 1080p monitors, and that's good for me. I don't need anything crazy. But I have two 23-inch you know uh asus monitors and that's good for me but yeah that's me
1: uh, I, I I had to get higher resolution monitors than you. I can't quite handle the 1080. So I also have uh, this uh, cheaper Asus, but it's a higher res than 1080. And I've basically become a single monitor person. I just need uh, one big monitor when I'm doing work. I find I can handle the window management and having more monitors is fun at first, but whatever, I find it a distraction. Uh, so I'm a Mac developer. So for me, it's basically iMac. That's all Apple really has left for us. If you Want kind of a powerful computer? I take that back. Uh, Apple makes pretty powerful laptops, but if you want a proper GPU and you don't want to carry around a fifteen-inch, you know, ten-pound laptop, then most people end up getting iMacs. Did you hear the news? Apple said that they're going to release new Power Macs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Mac Mac Pros, baby. I'm in.
1: I'm in. Oh, Mac Pros. What am I saying? Jeez, I'm getting old. Power PCs.
0: (laughs) Um, I think. uh, So I think for me, what I tell developers is you know, for, for iOS development specifically, you don't need a super powerful Mac to nah. do your build host. We've you set really our diamond yeah, Mac mini, something like that. Um, it, unless you want the, the, you know, the more expensive hardware, the more jigs of Ram, the faster your processor, the faster your build. So it's up to you. If you're on a budget, then building a PC at home is going to be cheaper than a more expensive laptop in my personal opinion. And I'm docked most of the day. I mean, my uh-huh. monitor is closed 90% of the time. So.
1: Truth to me is, like, uh, I think development's gotten to the point where you don't really need that great of hardware. So I would go find the laptop that suits you best and just start writing code. Pretty much anything can handle it these days. This isn't the 90s anymore. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And I would say if you're if you find something with like eight gigs of RAM or something a little bit lower, uh, you know, iOS simulators are totally fine, but Android emulators are beefier. So maybe just plug in a device. That'd be my recommendation. Mm. Take some take some of that processing of the emulator off of the machine.
1: That is a classic minutes. old trick. I've been doing that for years, <laughs> and it turns out you get other benefits too because you actually get to see your app running on the device. And for me, I would run profilers on the device all the time, so I I would I just had to be on the device. Yeah. And you just get used to it, and it's a nice way to develop actually. Yeah.
0: All right, boom! Five minutes are over already. <laughs> oh my goodness! Ooh. I like and the funnier
1: two, version of that one.
0: Yeah. How's it going? Yeah. Um this next this next question actually came from Twitter from Marius. Uh, he asked, hey, can you guys just talk about key stores, certs, provisioning uh, profiles? They're super uh, confusing. What do I need to know? Frank, what, what, is, what, does he, what does he need to know about provisioning <laughs> profiles? and certs?"
1: All right. Back in the day, this was all a very mysterious thing. Every iOS developer first had to go through this hazing process of learning about certs and provisioning. But the, the concept's really simple. And that is uh, Apple doesn't want you deploying your apps onto any device that they don't know about. Or that you control something along those lines. And for that, you have to have, uh, well, a couple things, (laughs) but specifically the device has to be provisioned. It's a terrible word. It just means registered. You've, uh, you, you've logged it with Apple that it's. It's being used for development. Mm -hmm. But in order to provision a device, you need a certificate. (laughs) And this is where things get a little nastier. And so you got to read a bunch of Apple docs. Uh, They're not too bad. You end up learning how to generate certificates on your computer. Then you got to read some blogs, learn how to secure those certificates so you don't accidentally give them out to people. You learn how to have Apple sign that certificate. Once all the certificates are signed and you have it locked away nice and tidy, neat, you can create these provisioning profiles that go on the device, basically. And from that, you're moving. It's not yeah. It's not so bad after you've learned it, but yeah. man, when you're going through it, it's terrible.
0: Yeah, they're specifically certs, identifiers, provisioning profiles. Oh, yeah, I,
1: I skipped a little one there, the app yeah. identifier, but you have to register your app too.
0: Yeah, it's like certificates, those are your machines. So how I do it is, as soon as I create a certificate for my machine, it's like, hey, this is a machine that I'm going to use to sign stuff. Now, that actually is just a certificate in your keychain and yeah. registered with Apple. And the most important thing that you should do at this point is as soon as you get it registered, export it immediately. Go into Keychain, yeah. export it, assign it a password. This mm-hmm. means that you can then take that P12 cert and upload it into any CI service like BitRise or VSTS or Mobile Center. And essentially, it can be installed temporarily on that yeah. machine to sign your app. Also, Um, if you have
1: multiple developer machines going back, like I usually have a laptop and a main work machine. So you you have the option. You could have multiple certificates and do things that way. It gets confusing, honestly. So I I try to stick with the one certificate pattern.
0: One cert. And then app identifiers, I recommend... I don't I'm not a fan of wild cards unless you're just nah, doing that. That's old fashioned. We old don't do Google. them anymore. Yeah. So app identifiers are essentially a unique identifier from Apple for your for your application. But that identifier also has specific information about permissions like iCloud and, um, you know, push notifications and things like that in it. And is that correct? Yeah, yeah it does. So if you're using, you know, app groups or associated domains, those are all enabled and disabled on an app-by-app basis. Yeah,
1: so if you're Um, ever using an API and the API is not working for some odd reason, you're like, but I'm totally following the docs. It's usually because you don't have something enabled in your app identifier or or some kind of permission. Because you do have an entitlements file, which, a whole nother topic. But this is, yeah. (laughs) So you can add even more permissions and things to your app, and it just becomes a lot of check boxes to go look for.
0: Exactly. And then you have devices which you register and then kind of provisioning profiles brings all three of those together, right? You associate mm-hmm. a cert with an app identifier and the devices you want and then boom, it merges kind of yep. together.
1: And that's why so many things can go wrong because each one of those parts can fail. For some reason, you might have the wrong device ID, you might have the wrong cert, your cert can expire. So when your cert expires, you have to go recreate all these provisions. You know, lots yeah. of lots of links. Weak points in the chain.
0: Yeah, and exactly. My recommendation is export those things, save them all mm-hmm. to a Google Drive or a OneDrive. That's what with I a good do. Good password,
1: big password. Don't big use your password. common password. and <laughs> Get yes, a big password. <laughs> exactly.
0: Now, same thing on Android. Now, the difference on Android is you have this thing called a key store. Maybe Visual Studio or Xamarin Studio has generated it for you. It's a unique key store <laughs> that has some yeah. information with. And, but it's not, it's not, it's not associated with devices or domains. It's just one for your company and you can decide to do it on an app by app basis. I have one that I sign all of my apps with, um, that's, I didn't know that trick. I've been doing it app by app. Nope. Nope. Just, you can have one for your entire company and they expire at some point, but it's like 40 years in the future. (laughs) And, uh, the same thing though, here's the difference is if you lose that key store, uh, you can't generate it again. And, uh, uh, you will no longer be able to upload no versions of your application ever. So put that in a super secure place, like 18 places.
1: I have a heart attack about this constantly. I never know where my key store is. I literally can't tell you where mine is right now, but I know every time I go to deploy my app, I find it again. So it's this like weird mystery hunt I have to go on. Basically, I have to read a bunch of blogs, remember A, what the key store is, B, how do you access it, C, how do you find it, (laughs) and then I pray I remember the password to it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Put it in a Google Drive right next to it with your passwords. That's what I do. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Security. Yeah. Hopefully we have clear that is a very that is a great description of what all of these things do. We should put, put that in a blog form somewhere. But hopefully <laughs> yeah. that helped answer more answers, this question. Yeah. Now honestly, the next one like the, the, these are so rapid fire. I love Lightning Talks. Yeah. Frank and I met over talking about this subject <laughs> nearly six years ago. Five years ago, six years ago, something yeah. like that which is settings. I love settings. It was the first plugin that I ever created. My settings plugin for Xamarin and Windows has over I have
1: never I've never known anyone more passionate about settings other than I'm James here.
0: here. I love settings. And how popular is that plugin? How many it's got like a bazillion downloads. And it has like 400,000 or 500,000. Yeah, 000. yeah, 400,000, that's all. <laughs> Not as popular as connectivity, but settings, that's all, yeah. It's great.
1: So, I use it in
0: all my apps.
1: But this topic are are we just we're gonna say the settings topic is um, please everyone use a library for settings because it's a little bit fun using the native ones, but there's a lot of tricks to them. And so I think there's a reason four hundred thousand people have downloaded your library. yeah, it's good
0: there, <laughs> yeah, and there's so the settings honestly is kind of generic, but the question is like how many options or settings do you put in your application? How do you mm-hmm. store those settings? And what happens when like you outgrow your settings, like actually you want to store some, you know, additional, you know, like a class of data. Yeah. yeah. And I'm a big fan of giving my users less options in their app, just kind of tell them how to use their app. If you fall into that mindset of, oh, I'm going to add an option for this and add an option for that, then you have like a whole combo row of every single checkbox ever. Mm-hmm. So when you're getting user feedback, I think that And when you're developing an app, just adding a checkbox into your options isn't always a good thing. The defaults, remember, are what about 95 or 99% of all your users will use. And half the time, they'll never go to the settings screen. So be aware of that, right? And then adding a feature via a feature flag for one person (laughs) you think about your maintainability of that setting in the long run. I I take a look at overcast, which is one of my um, favorite podcasting applications and the newest versions of, of that version. And and there's podcasts that they've done on it. And it's interesting the the removal of some of the stuff and, you know, he's talked to this specifically, the, the less to maintain these less if checks in your code, just create more maintainable code. So me if you are going to save some stuff go by the platform specific like only store you know very um, simple data structures such as integers and doubles and floats and date times or something and that's what i do and i you know put use them in my settings plugin which does shared preferences ns user defaults isolated storage things like that that's how i do it maybe you'll complain
1: yeah i'm gonna disagree a tiny bit on a few things i think um overall i totally agree apps with settings, settings are kind of failures. What did Joel Spolsky say? Uh, every setting is a debate that the dev team failed to resolve, something oh, like good. that. Yeah, yeah. but you also get, as an app matures, you also get what you just said, the one-offs. A very passionate user emails you, and you're like, oh, I can totally do that. I'll make you a one-off setting. So I totally agree. Getting control of those is, A, difficult, but you have to. You don't want to keep loading that screen. But I'm going to go on a flip side here. And those are the user-defined settings or the user-bubbled-up ones, the ones that you build a UI that the user can actually change, Mm -hmm. but... I think that you should really use settings all over your app just for easy tweaking. It's mm-hmm. nice to have all your big constants, like maybe even color theme stuff, uh, timers, how long this should go for, how long mm-hmm. that should go for. It's super nice having all that stuff together because you can try out different versions more easily. You can... Uh, when, when I think of it, I think of, um, like an INI file. Remember back in the old Windows days, apps oh, yeah. would have INI files. And that way, um, you could plug away at it and control the app without always having to recompile it and so i just like the idea of having a lot of settings because you're going to have these constants all throughout your code you're going to have to put them someplace and so some of us call it like config.cs or theme.cs you know something silly like that but really it's just a bunch of little configurable tweakable things and you don't have to bubble them up but you know still make them a setting
0: that's a good tip. Yeah. And if then it kind of makes it easier if you do expose them, but if you want to adjust your padding, well, you have to update it in right. one file instead of 28 files. Yeah. And you can
1: have a developer mode, a secret special mode where you actually get raw access to them then.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Now before we get into the final three topics of this week's episode, I want to take a second to thank our amazing sponsor of Merge Conflict This Week, which is an awesome, awesome developer conference series called Visual Studio Live. They are the development world's trusted educational provider of developer focused content, Uh, since 1993, they've been around for a long, long time. And it's an awesome conference series. I I speak at a lot of them. I attend a lot of them and they're focused on. net and visual studio, and they have all sorts of awesome conferences upcoming in may, they'll be in Austin, Texas in June, Washington, DC, August, right here in Redmond, Washington, September in Chicago, down in Anaheim in October and Orlando, which is their hugest of shows in November. I simply love it. They focus on all things Visual Studio and .NET, but Xamarin, Azure, DevOps, ASP.NET, you name it, they cover it. So If you're a Microsoft.NET developer, these things are awesome. I simply love them. Their theme this year is Rock Your Code, so each city has a different theme. They go out on awesome you know events uh, at, at, during the night, and you get some time to uh, actually chat with the speakers, which I love. A lot of featured speakers that'll point out Laurent Pognon, Rachel Appel, Scott Hanselman, Billy Hollis, Deborah Carada, Nick Landry. And of course, I'll actually be at quite a few of these events speaking. So you'll be able to see me at Visual Studio Live. If you go to vslive.com, that is vslive.com, and click on any of the upcoming conferences and use coupon code MERGECONFLICT, all one word, MERGECONFLICT, you'll save $400 off any of the conferences. Thanks to Visual Studio Live for supporting Merge Conflict.
1: You know, I've been hearing about them for years, and I've never gotten to go to one one day.
0: You should go. There's one in Redmond. Yeah. I'll be there. I'll be speaking. Well, you come see me.
1: <laughs> Boy, we, we are cranking through this. We are doing very well, and I think the next topic's really fun. It's uh, it, it's one that you've talked about in the past. It's a. Can you write an app in a week? And I think your answer is yeah. You totally can.
0: Yeah, you totally can. I wrote an app over the, my holiday hack, you know, <laughs> that we do. have mentioned, yes. That we've mentioned a few times back on episode 25. I'm pretty sure, just off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure it's episode 25 uh, mm-hmm. our holiday hack episode. I decided that I was going to build an app in a week, and I've done this a few times, which is uh, my leaderboard application, where you can track, you know, different games that you're playing. And I haven't updated in a while, but oh, okay. I, did, I did a proof of concept application and published it to the app stores in a week. Mm, for iOS, okay. Android. Mm-hmm.
1: So I I wonder this about myself a lot. That's why I wanted to do this topic because uh, quite often you have that like little app idea, you know, and you're like, I could totally bang this out in a day. Well, that's always a lie, right? We 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 know that. But doing it in a week actually does sound more reasonable. And I think when I was uh, a more a younger mobile developer, I used to do this. I used to release lots of small apps, but I kind of learned my lesson of don't bother. <laughs> I think. People pay for quality, people pay for features, and there's only so much that you can put into a one-week app. And so I've basically given up on them, but gosh, parts of me still want to write them.
0: (laughs) You know, I would say that the challenge of writing an app in the week is, is fun to try out, and you're learning a lot about the tooling. You're learning about, like how do you write code faster and like what are some best practices or maybe you're stealing code from here or there from your Mm -hmm. other applications. But no, I agree. I think like leaderboard would have been or scoreboard. That's the name of the app. I forget (laughs) the name of the app. Scoreboard. Scoreboard scoreboard was a good testament of like, this is very accomplishable in a week in my spare time, but was it the best thing I've ever written? Could I have probably spent more time on, the app icon and the branding and the app store yeah. and introduce <laughs> like I didn't even have in-app purchases. I did that later, right? Cause I didn't have the library that I needed at the time. And so I think that you're right. I think that for me, while I could totally build an app in a week, and it's nice that I can say I can prototype this whole thing. Look what I did mm-hmm. in a week. Yeah. If I was to go back and do it again, I probably would not do it in a week and mm-hmm. maybe and maybe do just m- more massaging and more um, enhancements to each of the pages in the experience because yeah. while it was yeah. good it wasn't it was good not great and I want right. to always deliver great experiences but people do seem to like it so that's good so I don't know yeah well good ideas right people
1: will tolerate anything if your app is actually useful and you know does what it's supposed to people are actually pretty tolerant Um Yeah, good. Uh, I I also feel like I should bring up this one piece of advice I got uh, before about something. It was, uh, you keep working on an app, you keep working on an app, and then you go through this crunch phase of the app where you're just working on it super intensely, and it lasts for a month or something like that. So I'm kind of off the one week thing here. But when you finish it, uh, it's kind of best to just take a two week break from the app. Like, don't even use it. Don't even think about it. Stop working on bugs, all of that, and then come back to it. And that provides you perspective on what features to fix and what um, what what features are needed and what bugs need fixing. And I think that you really miss out on that moment of reflection <laughs> when you do an app in a week.
0: <laughs> yeah. and And doing an app in a week in development, it's It's hard to set up like, oh, I'm going to set up, you know, not only my production pipeline, but I'm going to send, you know, Mm do hockey app and I'm going to do it to the apps (laughs) where I need to get the icon is. And I think the problem with that I had originally with the scoreboard app is that I just didn't have the feedback from users using the app because a week wasn't enough time for to get some feeling of like, was this, was it actually good? And I think part of the development process is learning from my users and getting that feedback. And I didn't quite get that how I wanted to. Um, so I think that like, it was really cool that I could do it. But again, should yeah. I have done it? I don't know. And will I do it again? Yeah. Probably. But I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. So. Well, one a year, I think, is reasonable. Sometimes year. you just have
1: an itch and you just got to release it. I
0: yeah. totally. Yeah. I allow myself that every so often. You should try it. You should just do it. And and one one. You know, just doing it on Android would probably be faster, but iOS for you might be a little bit faster. So just pick one platform. Oh, because you can
1: actually it. release it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. There's a more, there's a better little feedback there
0: because you can actually release <laughs> yeah. and not wait for approval. Exactly, and I think also when it, when you do this kind of building an app in the week, it kind of follows into the next two topics that we want to cover, which is. All right. So you have an app in the app so you're getting ready to publish it. How do you actually go about, you know, doing proper advertisement for that app or even the app store listing? How do you handle the yeah. app store listing in your uh-
1: <laughs> You know, I, I'm, first I'll tell you what I what I should do and what I believe and what I know to be true. Your icon, your app name, and your first screenshot, maybe two now, I, it depends on how big your device is, they are so critical to whether someone's going to download your app or not. Like, you could spend months perfecting an app, making it the greatest thing on the planet, but if you have an ugly icon, a bad name and a bad screenshot, and no one's even going to touch your uh, your app. And so, the lesson I've learned over the years is that those things are just crucial. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need that first click. You need to intrigue someone. The icon has to look happy, but invocative and still good looking your name has to say what the app does but be a fun spin on it and your first screenshot has to show how your app is better than the other 50 that showed up in the search
0: it's tough. it's true I, I worked at gamestop for many years and it was so interesting <laughs> watching people because video game artwork is the exact same thing you know your video game you could have the best game mm-hmm. ever created but if you have really terrible box art it, yeah. you are gonna lose sales
1: just, just the style of the art like can put people off. Like I I'm just talking for myself here actually. <laughs> like if I colors. see an icon and I'm like, Yeah, I'm not a pastels person. Moving mm-hmm. on. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. <At> <laughs>
0: and there's some apps that'll get away with it because they're just so massively big which is like your facebook's and your instagram of the world oh
1: well Well, sure but but they're not
0: they're not competing like we're competing in the app store for users you know they already have the users so for us it really is this is our this is our time to make a splash in our first impression and that impression first impression they're swiping right or swiping left you know and that's it boom
1: it's really that simple and you you mentioned the big companies um facebook they, they don't have to yeah they don't have to worry about it i don't know they, they did, did it do. one time
0: but they should maybe, i don't
1: know you, yeah. you really got me conflicted feeling i'm I maybe mean, just stuttering i don't even know what to say yeah i don't know yeah
0: i mean if i scroll through my phone like there's some apps i, I mean yeah. That I'm just like, man, they could do such a better job with their app icon, even though they're so big, you know, even the Netflix app icon, not that great. Well, we're talking, we're talking about organic sales here, where you're just,
1: you're trying to get people who are just casually looking for an app. Hopefully what I've found is if you're going to have a success app, it's almost always done by word of mouth and direct links with blogs. Your organic long tail sales aren't always that hot. But I know if you are in a highly competitive area, you have competition then you yeah. better look good
0: <laughs> yeah and you should you should have really great screenshots you can even do the screenshots that are in a device frame pointing out features I think are really popular now yeah um, those are those are the rage and honestly if you're going out and you're creating a, a this huge release and you're doing this big app, You should be promoting. You should be out there sending stuff to the big tech blogs, giving them promo codes, giving them the app early because you've, you know, tested it out, promoting it. Send it to Apple. You know, send, there's a promotion team at Apple. You can email Mm -hmm. them. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They don't feature your app. Well, if you never tell them about them, they weren't going to feature your app anyway. So just email them and And it, uh, it, it could work.
1: It is all very tedious. Everything that you're describing there, like, I remember when I was first releasing apps, I would work on the app, work on the app, I'd decide, oh, this puppy is done, this is going out to the world. And I would try to upload it to Apple, and I'm like, what? They require a screenshot? (laughs) Like, I was so in the wrong uh, mode of mind, the wrong perspective. Like... I should have spent a week working on the marketing materials. I should have had the best five screenshots that I could come up with over a week of working on it. But instead, what did I do? I'd spent literally like five minutes like, oh my God, they require this screen resolution too. And it was so painful and annoying. And I didn't understand just how critical all that stuff is to the organic
0: sales. Yeah. If you're doing Android screenshots, um, maybe make sure that you clear off all of your notifications before... <laughs> saying
1: <laughs> pro tip
0: <laughs> pro tip pro tip that looks really and ideally you're gonna put those into photoshop or yeah. into sketch or something and really make your app shine not that you're 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 making your app fake but like even just the status bar you know showing the same date time and all of them some iconic thing i don't know yeah. that's just me
1: uh so if, if you record off the device apple will already do that for you, if you uh, uh record off of QuickTime and do that there used like, to be a thing in the past where people are really snooty and they're like all your screenshots should come off of real devices but nowadays there are so many form factors and everything i actually recommend well ideally automating it to be honest (laughs) figuring out the right points in your app that need screenshots that way you can refresh your screenshots anytime and then just do redo artwork over them or something like that but at yeah. At least just use the simulator. Don't don't over fret about it. No one's going to
0: care if you're using the simulator when they're judging your app. And and now once you have your app in the app store for our final topic already is how do you actually get those oh so important five star reviews? <laughs> And this actually is not just for mobile applications, but also for podcasts. So if anyone wants to go to iTunes and leave a five star review, that'd be great for the merge conflict. Do. It really helps us. <laughs> and it's so weird because those ratings, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a book, whether it's anything, that again is literally your first impression. Cause what do your users see? They see the app mm-hmm. name, the icon, maybe a screenshot, but they see that oh so important review yeah. score with how many reviews there are. Mm-hmm. So if you do a big release. You know, on 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 Google, it's a little bit different than Apple. On Google, it's just your cumulative of ever yeah. for your apps. For iOS, they get cleared out with uh, every app release. Kind it's of terrible. Can it's, I just complain about this for a minute? Yeah, for this it. has been a real
1: roadblock in my mind, especially in the early days. I think I've mostly gotten it over in my old age, um, mm-hmm. but it was like you would release a good version of your app. And it would accumulate good reviews, four or five stars. And you're very proud of it. And you like it very much. And then you'd realize, oh, there is this one nagging bug. Maybe I can get those four stars up to five stars if I just fix this one more little bug. And so you do a point release. And what does that do? It wipes out all those beautiful four (laughs) and five stars that you had earned. You had worked so hard for. And so, like, Apple had established this, like... Penalty, this anti-incentive, what are the disincentive? <laughs> it's the opposite of it.: yeah. Thank you to updating your app, and it was terrible. but yeah. basically nowadays you just have to say, um, people reviewing your apps are usually new users. I mean, you do get some returning customers, but you have to basically be always growing these days. Yeah.
0: Yeah and what what you what I do in my applications is in the settings page which if 1% of your users are going to the settings page then mm-hmm. another 1% of those would oh, see yeah. this little thing that asks for a app review and I used to be really all about those nag screens that pop up yeah. all the time but I'm very anti now I really hate them and wow. the worst is like I installed Reddit for, I installed Reddit for Android and it goes, do you like our application? Yes or no? Yeah. And I go, well, I, I do like my That's application, but I know what you're going to ask me. You're going to ask mm-hmm. me to mm-hmm. leave a review. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I go, yeah. I go, That's yes, I do. Yeah, and then I go, I go, no, I don't like it. And it goes, do you want to leave us feedback? Uh, One button, or leave us you. feedback. Okay. <laughs> and then it pops up in feedback <laughs> form and I go, you, you, know, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and uh, it got me it got you you can't win give no that, that a sounded like you were gonna
1: to go to that form no matter what
0: you were um, going to yeah, and what that does is it makes me want to not it makes yeah. me want to leave a one-star review because i'm so upset about it but so this
1: is this is a complicated subject though because here's the deal people those things work like If if I need to up my ratings and do better on the store, those nag screens, they're annoying, but they help the developer so much. And so if I'm using a small app that's like, this is kind of biased, this is terrible, but if it's a small indie app, I'll kind of tolerate it and be like, yeah, yeah, I'll go give you a good review because I know (laughs) I'm on the other side of it. I know how important those reviews actually are. But when Facebook or Instagram does it, my God, I want to smash. <laughs> I'm like, what do you guys care? You have a monopoly. No one else is using any other app. Get over yourselves.
0: Yeah. And the worst is, I mean, if you're going to put this into your application, I used to do it where I used to use this like uh, control called irate. And there's another one on another on an Android but what mm-hmm. you can do is you can have settings that say only show this pop up after 30 days or after mm-hmm. they've used the application for 45 times. And I did yeah. that in a Meetup Manager originally, and I had some really bad bugs on iOS for a while, some OAuth issues, mm-hmm. and I fixed them. And I'm like, oh, I need some bigger, some more ratings. So I put that in the app and I said, yeah. you know, the user's been using it for 30 days. They obviously like it or tolerate the app. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they've used it for more than 45 times. And okay, go ahead and actually pop up this dialog box, you know, and that seemed to work well.
1: Yeah, so uh, what's happened in the new, new, present future is that Apple, Apple Apple has standardized that dialog box. Uh, And maybe I should go back for a moment and say, uh, there were other tricks than what you just said. Uh, Basically, you want to present that dialog box when the user's in a good mood. So, uh, coming up with times in your app when, like, they've successfully completed an action, or if they're just sitting there, uh, figuring out the right time to place it. But it might not just be, have they launched your app 45 times? It might be, have they done some operation successfully 45 times? And then yeah. you know, ah, this is going to be a positive reviewer. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of, uh, it's a game. It's a terrible game, but. Yeah, it's the world I love that it. said that said apple saying none more no more of your games so we are going to standardize the dialogue and we will choose because we are apple when to present this dialogue yeah so uh, that's that
0: we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah we'll see we'll see i haven't I'm yet to use it in 10.3 but i'm excited because oh well we didn't even do a whole thing on this new file store we need to try to do a whole thing about this file store thing later but um in 10.3 anyways i'm excited well wow, that was a lot that was went so fast that was like it just rolled there are oh lightning my dogs. god
1: i can't it's believe over. we got through them usually i have like a small heart attack in the middle like how am i going to get through this but i really enjoyed the topics
0: this time this is good we had some could... good listener feedback keep asking away and telling us what you want to hear these are so much fun i love it <laughs> oh my goodness am crazy
1: uh yeah do you want to expand on any of those? Did you like any of those topics? Did I feel like worthy?
0: I loved all of them. I, I yeah. loved, I mean, I we need, we need to maybe revisit these key stores and certs. This is so good. Oh, I, yeah. I we, we
1: could talk two hours on that boring topic.
0: Yeah. Let, let us know what you want um, to hear. We do the, we're do we going to do this again in 10 weeks because I, I, you know, this podcast comes out every week. And in 10 on episode 50. Oh, my goodness. We're getting up to 50. Can you believe that, Frank? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Just not looking. Don't look down. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited. Keep going up. Um, Yeah. If you love our podcast, rate it, please, on iTunes. You can find it on all of your most popular and whatever, an unfit unpopular podcast app, whatever you happen to use. Or if you don't use a podcast app, just go to MergeConflict.fm, download the latest episode, tell one or two coworkers how much you love Merge Conflict. We would love you forever. Please submit uh, what you want to hear and give us your feedback. There's a little uh, contact uh, form on the website and boom, you're good to go. I don't know. Anything else you wanted to highlight on there, Frank?
1: Oh, no. I just enjoy
0: I enjoy it whenever we receive a message. A little highlight of the day. So keep Absolutely. them coming. Yep. And if you like that uh, listener feedback that we've been doing, just send in your questions and we'll love to have you on the podcast to talk about it. Um, or we'll talk about it on the podcast. I know mm-hmm. we've never had a guest yet. I don't know. Maybe one day. We'll see. Mm, we'll uh, see. We'll see. <laughs> Anyways, this has been Merge Conflict. I'm James Magno, And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.